kind of hard following all these fiery people. <laughs> it's really a blessing, isn't it? So many people have so much in them. And when, when, or if and when, probably will one day, you know, the church will be, have, be like the Chinese church, which was a church that's not, can't assemble like this a lot. They do a little bit here and there. But you got a lot of people that can go and do what, do what they do over there is have mighty meetings. Uh, some in apartment buildings, high-rise apartment buildings, there's several meetings that are going on. They don't even know about each other. You know, they don't even know there's other people are even believers, but on purpose, so, you know. But So I'm ex- encouraged about that. I think right now the people of God really have the answers for what's needed. I really do. I feel like the people of God are going to bring the answers for on a lot of levels, uh, not only for, you know, the church, but for the world we're in. And so that means we have the answers, and we're going to bring those answers. And uh, so I would encourage you, if you're looking for some wisdom from the Lord, and is listen, just listen to the people around you, the believers around you. I believe God will speak through them without even them. They may even not even know that you have just spoken a word to them. But I've really been hearing a lot of good stuff from people lately in this church uh, that's given me some clues and insights to what God wants to do. Amen? Amen. So I want to read this great story here and tell you some, some good things in it. It's John 6, 1 through 14. And it's uh, the feeding of the 5,000. And this is a really well-known story in the Bible, obviously. Uh, Anybody who could feed 5,000 people with just a little bit, that should be a well-known story. Uh, It says, After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him. Don't you love how the Bible gives some details? I mean, it really does. Then a great multitude followed him. Because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain. Anytime Jesus went up on the mountain in the New Testament, I can guarantee you something's fixing to happen. Every time you study the Bible, you look at it. Every time he goes up on the mountain, something's fixing to happen. A miracle or something, he's going to give some revelation. It's just sort of God trying to give us a big hint about things. And there he sat with his disciples. I'll tell you one thing, it's nice to have a Lord who's not anxious, right? I mean, it's nice to have a God who's setting. He's not worried. He's sort of setting. I think sometimes we get all anxious about stuff and, you know, trying to churn up something and God's just setting down. (laughs) I love that about God, actually. Uh, I'm glad he's not anxious about my life. If you're anxious about your life today, perhaps you should ask the Lord to give you the grace that he has just to sit down and not be anxious. Uh, now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Another, another good information detail there. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude. You know, I can't stand that, that, that lifting up your eyes thing. Don't you think that's sort of an odd phrase? It just sounds kind of like an old phrase. Why did not just say he just looked? That's how we say, well, he just looked and saw these people, but, you know, that's sort of an old, old terminology here. Uh, but that's what happened, and he saw this great multitude coming towards him. 
Uh, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him. In other words, the Bible's telling us that Jesus knew something. Uh, he wasn't wondering where they were going to get the money to buy the bread. Right? He wasn't wondering like, oh, Lord, here's all these people. They're hungry and i got to feed them. And how, how am I going to feed these people? He was testing Philip. He said this to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Don't you love that, that the Lord knows what he's going to do? Uh, so Philip answered him, uh, with 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who, have, who has five barley loaves and two small fish. That was his lunch. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was, which was sort of dumb, if you're just looking at it from a natural, why are you going to make them sit down? Just so they won't burn any more energy and be more hungry? I would be thinking these things, and you would too if you were there. You would be thinking, like, what the heck is he doing making these people sit down like he's going to feed them or something with them five barley loaves and two fish? Uh, we all act all religious about stuff, and like we ain't, you know, we're, you know that ain't how we think, because we already know the end of the story, but they didn't. And, you know, and you don't know the end of the story of some things going on in your life, and you're asking some uh, questions that may seem dumb later on, right? Because you, later on you'll find out what God did. Um, anyways, I ask dumb questions to God all the time. I don't think he's too concerned about it. It says, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down about 5,000. And there were probably women and children, so there's probably a lot more, but the Bible just tells us there were 5,000 men. And Jesus took the loaves, and then he had given thanks. He distributed them to the disciples, and the dis disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, so nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who's come into the world. So, um, there's a whole lot in this, but we only have time for one thing that I want to talk to you about. And it's verse 11. It says, He took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish. So one thing I think is interesting, this is the only, uh, this miracle occurs in all four Gospels. It's the only miracle of Jesus that's in all four Gospels. So we know just from that little fact that God really wanted us to remember this, there was something special about this, and he sort of brings this up later on, but here's my testimony about this. Um... It's about money. I had a money problem. Actually, you had a money problem. I'm talking about the church. We had a money problem in the church. It went on for a few years, actually. And um, it was kind of a complex thing. There was a lot of factors that I'm not going to bore you with. But um, it just, I just got tired of it. You know, you ever get tired of something like money, like you don't have enough money? And you don't know if, you, if you're going to have enough money? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like every... Yeah, I mean, every week you hope, Lord, please help us. You know, please so, let somebody give us an extra amount of money this week uh, so we can make sure everybody gets paid and, you know, just pressure on you. Anybody who's 
ever been in a ministry where there's money involved and there's people involved, you're under the gun a lot of times. And I, uh, you know, went round and round. This is, went on for a few years. And uh, one day I was saying, you know, Lord, I'm so, I'm so tired of this. I'm so sick of this. I hate this. I'm tired of messing with money, Lord. I don't want to do money no more, Lord. How can, can we do something different? You know, like, can we get money out of this equation? Because I don't want to have to think about money no more. I don't want to have to tell people that they're going to have to not get as much money as they've been getting. Because people get mad at you uh, when you mess with their money. I'm just going to tell you, they'll get mad at you like it was your fault that you did something bad to them. And I don't like that. I don't, you know, like I didn't do this, you know. Get mad at God, but don't get mad at me. I'm just bring, I'm the bearer of bad news. I got tired of all that, and so I said, Lord, I need you to give me a different strategy here to think about this. I need a different way of looking at this. And so I was reading this uh, just in a normal reading, and I felt the Lord tell me, here's your strategy for money. You need to, you need to look at money like this. Uh, you need to thank me for the little money that you are getting and quit complaining about the little money. If you'll thank me for that little money and now listen, before I give you all this, if you make this into a formula, I would hit you (laughs) because this is not a formula. I'm going to tell you right now, this is not a formula. And so if you make it into a formula, then you have a formulated Christian life. You don't have a relational Christian life. And God has no interest in formulated Christian lives. Uh, you can go ask uh, any uh, person of another religion about formulation. If that's what you want, you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong. Uh, you're in the wrong outfit. You're in the wrong group. You're in the wrong religion. You're in the wrong thing because God's not interested in formulas. But God has some things, and He just said, "If you will thank me." If you'll begin to thank me for the little, and if you will give me the little, I can take the little, and I can make the little be big. I can take a $10 bill and make it into $100. And so, that's what I started doing. I would say, Lord, thank you for that really small offering we got yesterday. (laughs) I'm so thankful for that. Here it is, Lord. Why don't you take it and bless it? And multiply it. And over a period of time, the Lord really helped us. And like I say, this was a complex thing because it was other, a lot of factors coming in. It wasn't just offerings. It was other issues. And little by little, saw the Lord really give us a lot of great breakthroughs. Um, and yes, amen, Lord. Thank you. And so this week I was thinking and reading this just again, devotionally, and I felt like the Lord told me that we're in a time where we need to start thanking Him for the answers to our prayers before we're seeing the answer. That this was an important time 
Because everybody is looking for, a, everybody has a breakthrough. Everybody has a promise. Marlon was talking about the prophetic promises. Everybody has something in their life that they're waiting on God to bring forth and to do in their life. And the Lord, I believe the Lord is very eager to begin to release answers to us. But I believe He wants to engage us in the answer. I am not like a lot of people. I don't believe God, you know, when we talk about having a revival, I don't think it's, it's 100% sovereign. I hate to tell you that. I just don't believe in that. I believe we have a part to play in what God does because God has put us on this earth as ambassadors and stewards of this earth. Okay? That's what this whole revelation of the kingdom on earth now is all about. It's about us being co-laborers with Christ and working with Christ and what's going to happen. In other words, God is just not going to do everything. He's looking for a people who will, will engage Him and cooperate with Him. Now, God certainly could do anything He wants to, wants to. He has the power to, but He's looking for partners. He's looking for people. And so I believe one of the things... I know some of y'all might not believe that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> just read the Bible, you know. Did anybody get saved after Jesus left the earth? Right? He sent people. People went out and told other people about what, who Jesus was, and people got saved. Um, so anyways, these promises that we have, uh, which, by the way, I saw eggs this morning in the room. You know, eggs. And you know what eggs are? Eggs, are, eggs actually represent time, if you didn't know that, because it takes time for an egg to incubate and for a chicken to hatch out of it. Eggs are the promises of God that's going to take some time. But I believe God was, this is before Marlon even shared that. I believe God wants to, to do that. He wants to bring these promises. You know, promises are a lot like seeds that are planted in the ground. Right? They go into the ground and you wait. And, and, and the Bible calls waiting on the promises of God the trial of faith. James 1, 3, it says, Our faith is tried because the promises don't erupt immediately. And so there we are, day and night, waiting on the promises like a farmer waits on seeds to come forth in his life. And, and so God has supplied the promise, the seed for us, and he's supplied ground, which is our hearts, for that promise to be planted into. And he wants us to help water the promise and call forth the promise to come forth in our lives. That's what he wants you and I to do and to believe the promise. But, and so we're, we're afflicted. We're afflicted. And many people, you know, from the time you get the promise to the time of fulfillment, they don't make it through it because they get discouraged and bummed out in their life. And they think God is never going to do it. And they, they begin to question if they ever heard the Lord in the first place. Anybody in here know what I'm like? Did I just, is this a pipe dream? Was that really God or was it just my imagination or my hungry and desire for this thing? And God is, is, most of the time it is God. Occasionally we have words that are not God. Things we're trying to get to that are not God. But, you know, God is good about that. He'll let you know pretty quick, I'm not doing that. You know, just forget that. I'm not talking. One of the ways he does it, he ignores you. Have you ever just, you know, like, I'm not talking to you about that because I'm not doing that. Just shut up about it. Just knock it off. I'm not doing it, period. Let's talk about something else. Sometimes people have a problem hearing God because they're talking to God about something He has zero interest in talking to you about. So God is good to, to, to engage us, to help us. That's a help. You see, that's a mercy. Uh, he may not, you know, say shut up 
if he grew up in my house, he would tell you to shut up. That's how they told you to be quiet in my house, just shut up, no more. That's what my daddy would say, and when he said that, you probably would be wise to shut up. <laughs> you know, okay, I'm shutting up, daddy. I'm sorry. Let me read this amazing scripture here, Romans 4.20, it's from the Amplified Version. This is beautiful. No unbelief or distrust made him, Abraham, waver, doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong and was empowered by faith as what? As he gave praise and glory to God. As he gave praise and glory to God. You see what happens when we begin to thank God for what he has. There's a strengthening. There's an encouragement that comes into our heart. To keep believing, to keep and not let go, not to surrender the thing that God has. See, that's what Abraham did. See, that was Abraham's secret. He, we all think he had some faith that was better than our faith, but he really didn't. What he did is he believed what God said, and he kept it before the Lord, and, and he would thank God for it. Here's a, you know, here's a great example about being thankful. Last night, we went to the hospital and prayed for Isaac McCaffrey, who's in the hospital with asthma. And he's two or three years old, right? Asthma's a wicked disease. I had it. Uh, you pass out with asthma. And that's what he was doing and, you know, not being able to breathe. And, and so we went and they, we got the chance to pray for him. And here was the prayer. I prayed, Lord, I thank you that Isaac is 100% whole in Christ. That's the truth, right? In Christ, he's 100%. Now I'm just asking you to manifest that into his lungs right now. Manifest the wholeness and healing power of Christ in his... That's a simple way. And so when we begin to thank God ahead of time of things we know that's on the Lord's heart, it gives you faith. Your faith gets released. And when your faith gets released then you can, the power of God can begin to, to flow through, through your life. And so what happens to us is we go through every day of our life and these negative thoughts are constantly bombarding us, constantly coming after our minds and telling us that's not true, it's not going to happen, it's too late, you've messed it up, whatever it may be. There's an old saying that says this, you can't stop the birds from flying over, but you can stop them from nesting in your head. Right? You can stop the birds from nesting in your head. You can't stop those negative thoughts from coming, but you can stop them from taking root into your mind and, and beginning to own your mind. So that's so anytime you are thinking about something and you begin to feel anxious about it, that's a clue to do what Abraham did, is begin to thank the Lord and praise the Lord at that moment. And when you begin to do that, something happens spiritually. There's a transition that happens and you're no longer in a mode of worry and anxiousness. You're in a, a mode of worship before the Lord. And Abraham, let me tell you, Abraham knew about worship. Okay? The Bible says Abraham uh, is, was the first person who ever talked about worshiping God. That's what it says. Abraham was, a, in fact, the first word for worship in the Bible, Abraham used it. And guess when he used it? He used it at one of the most tumultuous times in his life a man could ever possibly have is when the Lord said, Abraham, take Isaac and take him to where I'm going to show you and sacrifice him to me. 
Okay, and I and what Abraham said, we are going, where are we going, Dad? We're going over here to this mountain to worship. That's the first time in the Bible worship was ever used. We're, Isaac, we're going to worship. That's what we, and can you imagine the turmoil that man was in as he took that walk with that child that he loved and he had given his whole everything to have this child and finally had him and now he had to take this child and take him to a mountain and sacrifice him to God. That had to be one of the worst times ever. But I promise you what, how he got through that moment was he was, Lord, I don't get this. But I do thank you that you gave me a promise. And this promise is going to live one way or the other. And you know, he took him up there. And I love the story. He lifted the knife up to stab the boy. And at the last moment, the angel of the Lord spoke to him and said, Stop. Now I know, Abraham. Now I know. Really, Abraham, now you know. Now you know, Abraham, that you will not withhold anything from me. And I've given a sacrifice over there who's hung up in the tree right behind you. You know, that sacrifice was the Lord himself. And that's who that was that was sacrificed that day. That was a pre-Old Testament view of what happened to Christ. He was the sacrificial lamb. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So every time you're tempted to worry, look at John eleven forty one. 41. Uh, this is when Jesus was um, about to raise Lazarus from the dead. It says, They took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I thank you. If Jesus Christ felt like that he needed to thank God before he even did a, a miracle before he did before he had the answer to what he was looking for don't you think God is asking us this morning to begin to look at our lives in terms of are we thankful people are we or have we got into a mode of like I was about the money in the church just constant complaining and criticizing and misery and bad thinking Every week, every Tuesday when I would get the report, every Tuesday was a bad day for me. And I realized this can't be the Lord because I'm not thankful. I've lost the gift of thankfulness in my life. I've let thankfulness not be a part of this part of my life. And see, God wants to answer people's prayer. Now, let me give you one more scripture here this morning. Uh, And this is a very, very important scripture that sometimes... Uh, that's been such. It's been such a rich scripture for me, but sometimes I forget it. And and I'm going to say this: thankfulness is a key from li- for living from heaven. Okay, thankfulness is a key to get wisdom for your life. You see what happens? See, truly, being thankful is not. It's really not the primary purpose of being thankful is not for us. Praising God is always for God. Honoring God is always for God first. But see, God's generous. Anytime we honor Him and thank Him, He gives us something. There is a product, like a byproduct, that's released to us out of our thankfulness. Do you get that? So it's really important when we say we're praising the Lord, we're not making it into a formula. But God Himself is a generous God. And when we praise Him, something happens in the spiritual realm. Something that God has designed and created for people that releases something to us. 
So, man, when you come to church, you have a chance to really praise the Lord. If you don't, you've, you're making a mistake. You're making a mistake with your life. You're, you're doing something you shouldn't do because of God has called us to worship Him together and praise Him. And He's also called us on, as a person individually to worship and praise Him because He deserves it and He's asked us to do it. But what He doesn't say a whole bunch, if you'll do this, something's going to happen in your life. There's a release that will come to you. When you begin to give me what I've asked you to give me. Because I'm not just asking you because I'm a needy God. I'm asking you to do that because I have something special for you. I want to share a part of myself with you. And so to be an unthankful person is like you're cutting your nose off to spite your face. You're hurting yourself. Okay. So we need to understand the times and know what to do. Well, thankfulness will release that to you. Thank, having a thankful heart when we approach God will release whatever you're looking for, the, the things you need to do, the answers you need. When we begin to become thankful, God releases wisdom to, to, to know what to do. He releases that to you. You won't, you won't know maybe even that God is releasing wisdom to you at that moment. It may not even seem like wisdom. But then you'll begin to think about like God answered me right then. Are y'all okay this morning? Because nobody told me to say not to say that. <laughs> they didn't say I, They just said last week I couldn't say it. Anyways, listen to this beautiful scripture here. It says, for the Romans 1, 18 through 21, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. That's really, you know, there's a lot of suppression of truth now, Right? In, the, in our culture, in, in, in the United States, all over the world, the truth is being suppressed bad, badly. And this is what he said, Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. In other words, God has, is declaring here, I'm not hard for people to understand and know that there is a God, there's a creator, there's a real God. And I've made that apparent to all mankind. I've made it apparent. It's, it's apparent for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. Clearly. But see, man has swayed things and, and worked things where you put this doubt in your mind about who God is. and that, that, Is there really a God or is it just evolution or all that other stuff? And see, here Paul's directly addressing this. Um, Being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead... So that they are without excuse. In other words, the Lord is saying up front, there's, there's, no, there's no going to be no excuse in this deal. There's going to be no excuse because I have manifested myself to mankind. I have made it clear to mankind that I'm real and that I exist. That my, and my creation has done that for all men. One time, this is a great story. I remember reading this. Someone asked uh, John Wimber, who you know, he's, um, was a great church leader, in the 70s and 80s about what about people who never heard the gospel and he was telling the story about this these people who were worshipers of trees okay they were like a tribal people they worshiped trees they thought trees are god and some missionaries went and these people were also very violent people they'll kill you they killed people that came that weren't and they and the guy who came they want to know who are you who sent you and they said uh, the god of the trees has sent us and 
the God of the trees has sent us. And that, I thought, wow, you know, that saved them people's lives. And they also got that tribe of people saved because they had worshipped trees. And, and, and John, uh, the missionary said, the God who created these trees has sent me to you. It got there. Isn't that beautiful? See, God does stuff. God makes sure every person on this planet has a chance. Somehow, someway, there's not a person who's ever born that did not have an opportunity to know his saving, glorious power. Because God is so wonderful. But here's what's interesting. Uh, Verse 21, it says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, let me just say this word, although they knew God. You know, that word knew, know, knew, is a really important word. Because in the Bible, there's a couple of words for know. There's the intellectual knowledge. In other words, you can know about, right? That's intellectual. You can know all about God. But there's another word, which is a personal word. It's an intimate word. It's a knowledge, you know. In other words, it's an idiom. This is a particular word. Idiom for a, the, the, the intimacy between a man and woman. That's what the Greeks, and in those days, the intimacy between a man and woman was a sacred, unique thing. It wasn't like it is in our culture today. And so you knew this person intimately. That's what Paul was saying about these people. These people intimately knew God. And you know who that's talking to? That's talking to me and you today. He, did, he wasn't just talking about a bunch of people who knew about God and heard about God. He was talking, talking to people. He's talking to people who intimately knew, knows God. And they had this relationship with God. Had a communion with God. And here's what Paul's saying. Because all they had, although they had this relationship with the Lord himself, they intimately knew God. Okay? They did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. They didn't glorify him. They didn't acknowledge that he's God. They didn't give him the honor and the worship and the praise that was his. And they weren't thankful. And Paul says, then something really bad happened to these people. He said they became futile in their thoughts. And so that's what happens. See, in your mind, if we, when we quit being thankful, when we quit honoring God and glorifying God, in, something happens inside your mind. Wow. And your, here's what happens. Your thinking becomes futile. Your thinking, you start losing your purpose for life. You start losing your purpose for who you are. That's what futile means without purpose. Wow. It means you begin to lose that. The purpose and the reason God has placed you on this earth and who God created you to be, and who God said you are, and what God wanted you to do with your life, you begin to lose touch with that. You lose touch with why you are here. And suddenly you start thinking badly. See, it all starts in your mind. I'll tell you this, I've come to this conclusion. It's sort of like the one big 360 in my life. All my problems that I have, or between my ears. That's where they all begin. That's where they all end. They all start with my thoughts, with the way I think. Every one of them. I have not had one problem in my life that somehow or another, I didn't think about it. My thoughts is what really created it and made it into a big problem in my life. And so, 
if you begin to do that, the short step is this. When, when you become futile in your thinking, the short step is this. The next thing that happens to you is your heart becomes darkened. Your heart becomes darkened. And your heart is what enables you to see spiritual realities. Your heart is what enables you to connect with God. You don't connect with God with your brain. You connect with God with your heart. That's how God said he knew people. He didn't say, I know him because of who, how he's thinking. I know him by his heart. And so our heart darkens. And then all of a sudden we're not able to connect with God. We're not able to connect with spiritual realities. All because we're not thankful. Now, I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous in one level, but it's the truth. And so what thankfulness does, thankfulness is like it keeps the light on in your heart. It keeps the light on. God never turns, you know, the, you know, the porch light is on all the time. He never turns it off. But when, but when we become unthankful, it's like an invisible hand reaches up there and switches it off. And suddenly your heart's darkened and you're not able to connect with God. You're not able to have answers. You're not able to hear. Nothing's working in your life. And you slowly but surely start going downhill in your life because you, you're not with God no more and you're not flowing with, with God. And if you read the rest of this story here, which I'm not going to read, once that happens to a person, if they go far enough with it, then your desires, the desires that you have in your life become perverse desires. You start desiring bad things. Read the rest of it. He talks about all the sin that man gets into. Men run around on their wife. Why? Because they quit being thankful and they quit honoring God in their thinking. Because a man, this is, I'm going to tell you this, a man may have hormones, okay? But when in his mind, if he thinks, well, you know what? That is not really, I shouldn't be thinking that because that's very dishonoring to the Lord. Because if I dishonor the person I made this covenant to, I'm certainly dishonoring the person I made the covenant before, which was the Lord. And so, thankfulness protects you. It protects you from doing bad things. It protects you from saying bad things. It protects you from destroying your life and destroying other people's lives. So, it's really like God has given us something. He's given us something that's really awesome that all He asks us to do is like, you know, be thankful. If you'll be thankful, if you'll thank me. You know, it will protect your life, but it won't just protect your life. It will release things to you. It will release the things. It will give you the answers like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to do this. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. Oh, this is where I'm supposed to spend my money. Oh, this is how I'm supposed to do this. Oh, Lord, thank you for that child that has gone astray. Thank you that you're going to save him. Instead of sitting around fretting and worrying and, and you know, losing your hair over, over things. You know, and getting gray really fast because you're wore out from worrying sick over things. And that's what happens to people. But in these people, they've become futile in their thinking. And so I believe the Lord really is. Are y'all, are y'all getting this? Because y'all just sitting here looking at me like, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, this was a Thanksgiving message, right? I should have saved it from... Uh, I was thinking about it. Lord, you should have told me this a month ago. 
or a month down the road, you know, because this is sort of ruining my Thanksgiving message. I know I won't have to be able to do a Thanksgiving message because I already did it. But you know what? The Lord told me Tuesday He wants to answer prayers. That's what He told me. He said, but being thankful is really how I want you to start engaging me with this. I want you to start. And I was remembering that about the money thing. It, was, it got so ridiculous. I would send this text back to Heather when she would send me the report like, Thank you, Lord. Bless and multiply it. And one day she said, Do you cut and paste that every, every week? I thought, Well, I'll just change the words a little bit on it and start using some, what do you call them little symbols people use? I use those things all the time. I thought you'd start using some of those in there just to kind of dress it up for you if you think I'm. But I'm telling you what, man. I'm telling you what. God wants to, God really is wanting to answer some, some prayers. God really wants to fulfill promises in people's life. He really does. He wants us to be a thankful people. He wants us to start our day thanking Him. And when we go to bed at night, see, I think that's the way to do it, is when we get in bed at night and lay down and put our heads on a pillow, we can begin to thank the Lord that day of what He's done for us and how He's been with us and carried us through that day. You get up in the morning, Lord, I thank you. This is a new day. This is a fresh start for me, Lord. Because, you know, maybe yesterday I didn't do so well, but I'm going to do well today, Lord. I'm, I'm going to have an awesome day in you, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. And when we begin to do that, I'm telling you, something will shift for you. And suddenly you're going to begin to get revelation in the Scripture. You're going to get, begin to get revelation about your life. Because it really is, it's like the thankfulness holds the door open for the light to shine into your heart. That's what it does. It holds the door open. For the light of God to shine into your heart and for you to begin to see with your heart everything that God has. And you'll see God different and you'll see your life different and you'll begin to be different. Amen? Amen. Do you want to share that thing, Becky? <laughs> it's funny. On Sunday morning, sometimes I'll just have a random thought and throw it out at Byron. And often it's confirming his message. So that happened this morning. But I read something this week that I thought was... It's simple but profound, and it's this. Do you know what the will of God is in your life? If you want to know the perfect will of God, it's thankfulness. And everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. Isn't that something? And I thought to myself, that's interesting. And it, really the thought that I had was exactly what Byron preached, is thankfulness must release in you the will of God. It must line you up with, as you begin to be thankful in every circumstance, it must just begin to give you those God thoughts that you really need to be in the will of God. Isn't that interesting? So um, that's all I had. There's nothing major, but, but I do think it was confirming, and I think Marlon was picking up on that this morning too, that so many of us are sitting in this room with long, overdue prophetic words, promises, that we've been holding on to, and we get tired, really get tired. I mean, I'm, I get tired. How many of y'all feel tired about that sometimes? Just, you just get tired of just calling out and crying out. But I think the Lord's speaking to us this morning of a way, really the path forward is really being thankful. Just keep going after the thankfulness of, you know, it's so easy to get into negativity and critical and, you know, disappointment 
But if we can every time just say, okay, Lord, I'm going to be thankful for this. I've got this. I've got that. I'm thankful. I believe you've you've said it, and it's going to happen. I just have to... I have to just just say, Lord, I know that your time is perfect. You're never out of time or out of touch with anything that you do. And it's going to be right at the right time. So, amen. So, You want to say anything more of that, Byron? Or are you good? Whew. Do you feel like you just got a major download? I did this morning. You know, that word was really timely, you know, and, uh, and it's all as good when the Lord brings forth his word because it brings life. Yeah. And it does not return to him void either. So that which he meant for it to accomplish this morning, it has and it will continue to keep on producing because his philosophies be fruitful and multiply. So it, it is going to multiply.